This is the Financial Freedom Fighters podcast. We are live. This is a this is a big moment. This is a big moment. Episode one. Welcome everybody to the Financial Freedom Fighters podcast. Triple F. My name is uh, Jacob Sandoval. Um, I am one of the hosts, and I have here my friend, my agent, Mike Magno. Hey, what's going on, Jacob? How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's Friday. How's that California sun treating you? I think it was about like 77 degrees out here. Nice and sunny, not a cloud in the sky, so can't complain. How's the weather over in, uh, in Cleveland? Uh, you know, it's been, it's been a really nice summer. Um, very wet, though. Wet. Had a ton, ton of rain, ton of rain, even more than normal. Why do you think that is? Uh, who knows? Climate change. What I, I mean, there's a million theories, but it's it's got to be climate change related. And this is an aside. We'll get to the regular scheduled program after this. But right. I watched an interesting video, which was basically the U.S. map and mapping out where are the most at risk places from a climate change perspective from now until like 2050. Okay. The beautiful thing, Cleveland. It's like one oh, of the oh. one of the lowest risk places from a climate change perspective. Yeah. And the highest risk places, obviously Texas and Florida. And where are people investing today? Texas and Florida. And as somebody who has a you know who who owns property in Florida, it's wild. I mean, it it's truly wild. is. It's wild. I think it's probably one of the overlooked benefits of investing in Cleveland, but we'll talk all about Cleveland. Obviously, this is episode one, so I think we should each probably talk a little bit about why we wanted to launch the Financial Freedom Fighters podcast. I've got all these ideas in my head, right? We call it the squirrel syndrome in the real estate business, okay. like shiny object, shiny object syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Something like, oh, oh, I got to go do that. And for me, that shiny object has been content. Yeah, right. Putting out putting out content for people because there's just so much, I don't know, garbage out there that I really wanted to put forth something that I felt was like real. Right. And don't get me wrong. I love obviously BP podcast, yep. real, real estate radio guys podcast, yep. um, real estate rookie podcast. Yes. Like we love, we love all that content. 100%. I consume it all where I've gotten to a point with it personally was like, I just didn't feel like it was bringing me a ton of value as someone who is every day living the life of the real estate agent of the real estate investor. And I just felt like there's a segment missing, right? Like I think you and I both being, I mean, not new investors. I've been doing it for a few years now. You're fairly new, yep. but we, but we both know kind of what we're doing and we've had some successes and we've had some failures. Totally. And I, I think it's relatable to people. Yep. When I do consultations with prospective new clients, I love using stories of my own yep. to share with people like, Hey, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I've had, I've had shit get sideways. Right. Yeah. So um, you know, I just, from that perspective, like I wanted to share that and you know what the genesis of me approaching you about it was nice. we, we'd done a couple deals and, you know, I think you and I have built a pretty good rapport. And then on top of it, you were starting to put out some, some content that I liked. Yeah. And I thought your content was very approachable for people. And I thought, well, there could be a melting there of us together. You're in tech and you live on the West coast. Yeah. I'm you know, I'm an East Coast Midwest guy. Yep. Like this is just the way I raised and and grew up. And, yeah. Um, you know, so for me, I thought it would bring two pretty unique perspectives. So that was why I wanted to do this. I agree with everything that you said. 
I think what's missing is the everyday investor story, the small time investor story, people that are in the trenches trying to do deals, trying to do their first deal, right? Right. Um, since investing in real estate, the amount of conversations I've had with people in tech, um, the amount of conversations I've had at weddings, um, and these are these are smart people working in at big tech companies and things like that, and they just don't they don't invest in real estate. They don't know anything about it, and that's because the average price home here in the Bay Area is over a million dollars, and people assume that you actually have to invest where you live, and so they just don't do it. And that's actually how I felt as well. Um, and we right. can talk about why I ended up doing my first deal, but for me, that's it. Right? I believe in the power of real estate long term to create financial freedom. I think yeah. most people would benefit from making a few real estate investments. And I just think that for me, it was like seeing the matrix for the first time. It's the recognition that real estate has been in the playbook of the wealthy forever. But at the end of the day too, if we can just provide a different perspective, and even if it helps a couple of people and they're able to get inspired or learn something, or even just get comfort knowing that there's people out there doing the same stuff that they're trying to do, that would be a win for me in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, you, you make some awesome points there. It's a huge vehicle for people, like you said, to to build wealth. And no, not everybody uses real estate completely, right? I mean, yeah. you get people in the tech world, right, to get in. Um, stocks and crypto. You know, stocks, stocks, and crypto. stocks, right? I mean, the whole crypto thing, right? Like, yeah, I heard about Bitcoin in t- 2012. Like, yeah. we were still in, in Ohio. Like, we were still in the depths of the recession yeah. in 2012. Like. I was bartending for crying out loud, yeah. just trying to make just trying to make ends meet. I didn't know that. I didn't know you were a bartender. Yeah, I had a I had a roommate for crying out loud, right? Yeah. I was house hacking uh before I knew what house hacking was. Um, you know, coming out of the recession, uh, I had gone through job loss and um got into the restaurant business because I needed to pay my mortgage. I had student loan bills, uh car payment, you know, yeah. the whole thing. And um I had my house and that was not I didn't have much else. Yeah, and I didn't want to give up my house because I needed a place to live. I had a buddy that I worked with at, at a restaurant, and he he wanted to sell his house. He sold his house, and he just moved in with me. You know, and I charged him like three hundred and fifty bucks to sleep in my spare bedroom. My mortgage was only like six hundred bucks. You know, it helped for a couple of years, kind of get reestablished and things like that. I mean, you had the awareness to house hack, which for all the listeners out there, I think is. It's hard to refute that house hacking is probably the best real estate strategy that you can do, especially for somebody trying to do it the first time. You're accomplishing two things at once here, which is like you yeah. need a place to live, but also you're dipping your toe in the real estate investing world by house yeah. hacking. And for everyone out there, house hacking is effectively when you have your primary residence, but you're also using it as an investment of some kind, whether you are renting out the rooms or you haven't... Yeah. ADU accessory dwelling unit in the back somewhere, or you're renting out a basement, and that could either be long term, midterm, short term. And we'll get into all of this stuff, but right. it is very hard to do in the Bay Area. Almost impossible. Almost right. impossible because you're not going to buy a $1.5 million house. And unless you're like luxury, Airbnb, it, renting out all the rooms, doing whatever, it's going to be tough to make that work regardless. Right. And so it's one. A big regret I have right now is that I don't live in a market that that's very easy. But all that to say, you had the awareness during a tough time to house hack before house hacking was such a big thing. So I think that that's super commendable. And one of these days, I'm going to house hack. I don't know when, 
but I'm going to do it. Maybe I'll have to, maybe I'll have to move to Cleveland. It's funny too. I, I tell people all the time, uh, the young people, like that is their, you know, I know affordability issues are out there right now, especially with interest rates where they are. Yeah. Prices at all time highs. I, I totally get that. But there are plenty of programs out there. There are plenty of ways that you can, you know, do this, right? You can buy the duplex. You can, you can buy the triplex or the fourplex. A little bit of a transition right now. Um, since, okay. since this is the first episode and people don't know who we are, um, right. I think we're probably going to tinker with different formats and everything here. I think we plan to bring on guests, right? Everyday investors, people that you work with, Mike, people that I know out here in the Bay Area that are also investing. But since we don't have any guests today, I think we could interview each other. Um, okay. So I'm going to start with you. First question I have for you is, how did you get started in real estate? So uh, it's it's funny. It goes back to me when I graduated college. Yeah, um, I graduated here locally uh, in 2001, the winter, the winter 2001, 2002. Okay, and um, you know, I grew up in a very blue collar household. Parents didn't go to college. Heck, they barely graduated high school. They worked blue collar jobs, factory jobs, stuff like that. And um, you know, my dad. You know, I, I followed the prescription of go to. You know, my grandparents and my parents were like, be better than me, go to college, get a job, yep. you know, do that. So that's what I did. I went to college, I got a job, and then I bought a house. You know, my dad's like, oh, you got to buy a house, got to buy a house. Don't be paying someone else's mortgage, got to buy a house. Yeah. So fast forward, I buy a house in late 2003, going into 2004. Yeah. And um, it was okay. You know, uh, it was all right, whatever. I was a single guy, you know. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, 2008 happens. Right. And it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Like that's, that's not the way this is supposed to go. Yeah. Right. Um, so I go through job loss. I go through all kinds of turmoil, 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah. Um, almost on the brink of bankruptcy. Yeah. I sat in my car. I'll never forget though. I was sitting in my car in that parking lot. I looked at myself in the rear view mirror and, um, I said, you know what? You got yourself into this fucking mess. You're going to get yourself out of this mess. Yeah. So fast forward, you know, I just started literally tracking everything. I Someone turned me on to Dave Ramsey, the whole tony, total money makeover. Um, so I've used that. Um, you know, obviously, I don't agree with a lot of what Dave Ramsey <laughs> teaches for the investor side of stuff. Yeah. But for someone who's in debt, has terrible credit, totally. needs to rebuild their, rebuild their life, I will, to this day, total money makeover is... One of the reasons I'm in the position I'm in now. Fast forward by 20, like it was like 2013, I was debt free with the exception of my mortgage payment on my primary residence. So in late 2014, early 2015, here in Ohio, the market still had not recovered completely in yeah. the real estate market. Not how, even how close. bad? How bad was Ohio hit relative, I guess, to the rest of the country? So this is why I tell people in. Um, I bought, I paid, uh, $85,000 for my house in 2003. Yeah. I woke up, I woke up one morning in 2000, 2009, my house was worth about 30 grand. Wow. And I owed at the time like 75,000, right? That's why I didn't explore the whole bankruptcy thing. Yeah. But I also needed a place to live. So that was my thought process. Yep. Um, so fast forward 2015, when we're building this house I'm sitting in right now, my house in Akron, the one that we were living in, was probably only worth about $65,000. That's where the market was at that time. And at the time, I still owed probably like fifty-five dollars on it. 
We yeah. had paid a lot of it off, right? So I would like 55, it was worth probably 65. I probably would have walked away had we listed it for sale. And we did not, we, we were at a high enough income at that point that we didn't need to sell it to buy our, to build our house. So I had said to Diana, I said, hey, do you think uh, we can turn this into a rental property? So we didn't know what we were doing. So we closed on our house in where we live now. And that was in February, 2015. We moved in. Uh, I cleaned up, I painted our new, our old house. I redid some stuff in the kitchen, put in some appliances, put new carpeting uh, in the bedrooms and put in some new laminate flooring. And uh, from there, I didn't know how to find a tenant. She posted something on her Facebook page and boom, we got one of, we got somebody that rented from us that we knew. Yeah. And um, it was a girl that we knew and her mother. And um, I didn't do any background checks. I, I didn't see, didn't do nothing. It was a handshake, right? It was a handshake. And um, they moved in about a year later, the daughter moves out. The mother wants to stay. She's like, Hey, can I stay? I said, well, can you pay the rent? She goes, yeah, I can pay the rent. I said, well, you can stay. And that she's still living in that house to this day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Just, just crossed over eight years. She's been living in the house now and that house now that's the, that's the kicker, right? So that house now, if she were to move out and I went and fixed, I went in and fixed it up to market value. It's worth probably about 115, $120,000 today. 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 Yeah. And um, I only owe like $37,000 on it at this point. Yep. Yep. She's been paying that. She's been paying that debt down for me for the last eight years. Yeah, for sure. So, and then, um, so fast forward uh, 2016, uh, I get called into the office of my job and I get shown the door. So, so after about a, about two weeks, I did the honey-do list of stuff around our house, painted, did some other things. I, I said to her, Diana, I said, I, hey, I think I want to get my real estate license. What do you think? And she goes, well, you know, I support you 100%, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, and um, I took the test. I passed. Boom. I got a license. Oh, man. Now what? Right. Yeah. Um, so the Keller, the local Keller Williams office, uh, the uh, the team leader slash CEO at the time, guy named guy by the name of Jeff, and he he looks at me, he looks up at me, he looks at the papers, he slides them across the desk. Right. The basically it's the papers that I have to sign to say that I'm going to come to Keller Williams. He slides it across the desk and he looks at me and he goes, Mike, you're going to make so much fucking money at this place <laughs> that you you can't go anywhere else. That's what he said to me. I was like, sweet man. I, and I signed, literally signed on the dot. You're just like, yeah, sounds good. Sign. And uh, then they, the people that sold their house had to buy a house. So then I got their buy. So that was December of all of 2016. Those three transactions closed three sides. And I had about $10,000 after splits of commission money. And I thought, okay. We can do this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. I ended up selling like 16 properties that next year in 2017. And just everything's kind of gone from, you know, from there. Being where you are now. And I think you told me before you're doing like 12 deals a month, maybe now at this point, right? Is like kind of steady volume for you. Is that is that typical for a realtor in the first year to just like really suck at it? And it's just, that's just going to be what it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the statistics are, but... I, you know, I would have to think half the agents that get into the business are out within the first 12 to 18 months yeah. because they just, they don't leave themselves enough runway. Yeah. Um, you know, something that I did, uh, something that I did to help offset the expenses, right. And the living expenses is I actually, um, signed up and I drove Uber and Lyft okay. here in Cleveland on the weekend. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I made a, I made a, a really nice chunk of change for about a year doing that on the weekends to help offset as I, as I learned real estate. We touched on the realtor agent aspect of it. Yep. So where does the investing kind of come in? Cause you're, 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 you're yeah. both. Right. And I think this is a very yeah. important yeah. distinction, right? Just because somebody's a realtor doesn't mean they're also an investor. I've, I've actually been yep. quite shocked to know that that's just not the case. Oh, yeah, it's it's so minuscule the amount of agents that actually invest in real yeah. estate. You'd be you'd be blown away by the amount of agents that don't invest in real estate. Um, and this is just a for you know our future listeners, or if you're listening to this now, yeah. If you are partnering with an agent, you want to make sure that they're also an investor too, right? Yeah. Because it's just a very different conversation, and this is coming from yeah. someone who's worked with both. A traditional realtor who's maybe just working with home buyers, um, and then you, Mike. It's a very different conversation. Like somebody that knows how to run the numbers, somebody that's not going to show you something that like really doesn't have the opportunity to cash flow ever, um, and just somebody that's going to know what an investor should care about. So it's just again, yeah, I just think it's very important. Yeah. yeah so for us, I mean, we got into it uh, very little, right? We had that one property. It wasn't until a couple of years ago that we wanted to like start really, you know, building the the passive piece of our portfolio. Yep. So that's so then we've kind of you know we've got several singles now. We have a duplex. What's the what's the total unit count for the portfolio right now today? Um nine. Nine. That includes the house in Florida. Okay. And the house in Florida. And it's a mix, yeah. right? You said there's a is it predominantly long term or are you doing some short term in Florida? If you want to be a successful real estate investor, you have to know how to run the numbers. You can download my free rental property calculator and deal analysis guide by heading to cashflowsaga.com slash tools. Again, that's cashflowsaga.com slash tools. Now back to the show. Just to show yeah, the only thing we're doing short term is in Florida. Okay. Okay. Nice. I do want to get into short term here though. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm efforting I'm efforting some things there that I think can be very fruitful. I'm very interested to to hear about that. I also do want to dabble in short term. um, So we can talk about maybe like in a future episode. As a newer investor, what got you to come to the Cleveland market? I'm born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. No one in my family invested in real estate. I've worked now for 10 years, um, ended up in tech. And so that's what I do today. I work at a startup called Chime. It's a banking startup. And I do analytics. So I work all things data. So numbers especially on the real estate side, come very natural natural to me. But still, you know, even with my background, I just wasn't very educated on the real estate side. I invested in stocks, invested in crypto, but I didn't at all think about real estate whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The only reason we actually got in, into real estate is my wife and I, we were looking for a primary home. Um, and at the time we were actually doing a stint. This is during COVID. So this is uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. We were living in LA for about a couple of years. We wanted to get out of San Francisco and just have a different scenery. So we're living in LA. We were living in Pasadena. We loved it there. We loved Pasadena, still love Pasadena. And you know what? We were just like, let's just fucking buy a house in Pasadena. Let's do it, right? It's expensive in LA, but we could afford it. Let's just do it. Our agent came back. You guys are the lowest of 40 offers. Lowest of 40, right? We went 100K over asking. We went 100K over asking and we were the lowest of 40. And we were like, what the fuck? So we offered on a couple more places in Pasadena. And this was the trend. This was the trend. 
We were the lowest every single time. To continue with the story, we wanted to be bigger fish. We wanted to be bigger fish. We knew that we couldn't be bigger fish. I don't know who was buying, offering on these houses, but they had way more money than we did. Where else on the West Coast? Because again, we're still trying to find a place for us to live in. Where else on the West Coast can we buy? Right? I was like, okay, Portland, Portland's cool. You know, it's different. It's definitely less expensive. Let's just try Portland. Super random. We don't know anything about Portland. We ended up landing a place. And so we got a nice three bed, two bath in a good neighborhood. It was 550000 which we felt was like, okay, this is so much cheaper. But again, don't know anything about real estate. Right? I don't know if that's a good price. I don't know if it's a bad price. I just know it's in mm-hmm. half of what the prices in California are. And so we're like, <laughs> this is great. So we locked that up. And then my wife gets the job offer at Google. It's a dream job for her. And Google is saying, oh yeah, we need you to be here in the San Francisco Bay Area. In the office. Yeah. In the office. Yeah. Google's very like, you need to be in the office. Right. Now what the fuck do we do, right? We talk to our agents and they're like, you know, this would be a good rental. This would make a good rental, right? Why don't you just throw a tenant in there? They were connected to one of the bigger property managers in Portland. And they were just like, why don't you just do that? So we right. did. We got look, linked up with the property manager, listed it, it rented out. And they're like, what do you want to charge for this? And at the, my mortgage on that place is like 2500 I yeah. know anything about I don't know anything about running numbers. I know anything, but I was just like, let me just charge a little bit more than the mortgage, right? And so right. I was like, I don't know, can you do 28, 2800? And they're like, yeah, we could probably do that. We threw it on there. It rented out in like 3 days. Rented out in 3 days and I was like, oh shit. Then that was the light bulb moment for me. That's what led me to find bigger pockets. And yeah. then I figured out, oh, actually, I know how to analyze a deal now. That's not that good of a deal, right? There's not enough spread right. between your PITI and the rent. Figure that out. And then I just did some high level analysis and I was like, you know what? Cleveland seems like a market that keeps popping up in my research. Seems like a market that you actually can get deals to cash flow. The affordability is a lot better than in West Coast markets. And weird connection to Cleveland. My wife's sister did residency in Cleveland. She's a doctor. Okay. So we went to Cleveland a bunch of times. I actually rescued my dog in Cleveland. I got engaged in Cleveland. Um, And so I was like, you know what? I kind of know Cleveland a little bit. And uh, so right. just made the plunge, found you on biggerpockets.com slash yeah. agent finder. We hit it off. And, you know, long story short, done two deals together, both in Cleveland, a duplex on the West side and triplex most recently in Euclid. And uh, now, yeah, we're at six units now. And um, I took the, I took the red pill and uh, I'm, 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 right. I'm all into real estate. Nice. Nice. So um, what, what would you say are, has been your biggest challenge to this point? The most difficult thing right. initially was I didn't have anybody that was investing in real estate that I knew, right? right? And so I didn't have a network. I didn't have a community. I didn't have any of those things. I was kind of... And it feels very lonely. It still today feels pretty lonely. When you're like out in the mm-hmm. trenches trying to like build a real estate portfolio, it feels super lonely. And I talked my wife's ear off about this and she's just like... She trusts me and she's obviously investing in all these deals with me. But at the end of the day, she's like not as passionate about it as I am. And I and I feel bad for how much I talk about it. I think yeah. being a beginning real estate investor, that those first couple of deals, and I'm still in it, right? I've only done three deals. That's, I think, the hardest part, actually. It's the hardest because any one deal feels like 
feels like it can just like take you down because you don't have like the portfolio at scale. But I think it's actually once you get to like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten properties that what whatever goes on with any one property, it's not that big of a deal, right? Because you have the portfolio balances out. But when you only have one or two properties and like shit starts going wrong at any one of them, right. like this year we had a double vacancy on two properties and that's two out of, and at the time I just had two, I only had two right? and I had vacancies right. on both. And then I had turnover costs on both. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is like, I didn't plan for this, right? So it's like just taking the licks and just like keep going. And so like, but it's a learning process. I'm in it for the long haul. I know it's not going to be easy. And anyone listening to this, you should know it's not going to be easy, right? If it was easy, everybody would be a real estate investor. Everyone would fucking be rolling in it. But it's not easy, but it's also not complicated. And I guarantee you that if you stick with it long term, you're going to be glad that you did, right? Because there's yeah. not a single person I talk to that's older that's like, I-, I wish I invested in real estate when I was, you know, your age, or I wish I just bought more real estate, or I wish I didn't sell those houses to upgrade to bigger houses. Like, wish I just held on to it, right? Like, my parents, they literally, if they just held on to every house that they sold, kept it as a rental, all those properties are like four x what they're worth now in here here in California, right? And so I'm just like, if I look, I don't need to be. I don't need to be a mogul, right? I don't need to be on the Bigger Pockets podcast and like have like this massive real estate empire, but I know that I want optionality. I want to yeah. I want to be like, look, I have a portfolio that I stuck to, that I built, that I took care of, that I nurtured, that is now giving me the optionality to walk away from my job if I want. And that's right. that's it. That's it. And I think real estate is like one of the it's not the only way, but I think it's right. one of the most proven ways to do it yeah. long term. So, yeah. No, it's awesome. No, I'm 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 in the same boat. You know, obviously I got a, a much later start. Yeah. Um, you know, having gone through <clears throat> the previous recession and then, you know, for many years like I just you know, just I was afraid of everything. Yeah. Of course, you know, afraid of taking any any risks. Of course. So, so risk averse. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know, so then you get into this business and you start doing it at a high level and you start meeting people that are doing it at higher levels. And you, you know, that just kind of everything rises above. And, you know, for me, it's the, t- the time, right. The, t- you, you, the only thing we can't do, the only thing we can't buy back in this, in, in this world is our time. Totally. You know, so for me, that's, that's the biggest thing I'm looking at. I don't want to, you know, I'm 45 now, so yeah. I'm a little bit further along in the journey. Uh, but I definitely don't want to do, you know, I don't want to be slinging houses until I'm 65, yeah. 60, 68, you know, and that's where, you know, I see a lot of agents, right? I see a lot of older agents who've been doing this for years and they've been through all the good, all the bad, all the this and all of that, and yet have nothing to show for it. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And they're still out having to sell houses because they don't have a retirement because guess what? We're all independent contractors. We're all yeah. independent business owners. Yeah. Like they don't have anything to show for all their time and energy and effort. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, right now, like something that's super top of mind for me is like my mom and dad, like at the age now that they're thinking about retirement. Um, and my parents, they immigrated from the Philippines, right? Like they, they, they'll be the first to admit that they didn't have like a proper financial education, right. but. You know, I'm I'm having to now with like the financial education that I have, trying to figure out what is the most optimal way for my parents to retire with what they have right now, and I'm that's also why I'm so interested in real estate, and also why I'm like very diligent because I I actually I legitimately believe that that is the way 
that they're going to be able to retire comfortably. But still, there's a lot of work that's to be done because they haven't, they don't have that portfolio. And it's not going to be easy to be like, oh, we're just going to buy five or six properties. Each prop, each transaction is like a journey. It's, it's a competitive, competitive market. And, you know, we have to try to make that happen. So that's something that's in the back of my mind. But it dawned on me. I was like, okay, I'm not in my parents' position. I'm very young. I can do this mm. over a 10 year period. And even if I buy one house, one property every single year, I'm just going to be in such a better position at the end of yep. the 10 years. Right. Yep. And so yep. I, I just think everybody would benefit from think like, just think about what you want, right? Do you want to work for the next 40 years of your life, depending on how old you are? I'm sure the answer is no. And if the answer is no, when do you want to retire? Right. When do you want to retire? And what is your plan? What is your strategy? No one has a strategy. No one has a plan. People are like, I'm just going to plow money into my 401k. I'm like, okay, cool. So you're going to, you're okay retire, like working till you're 59, right? Cause that, cause you have to, you have to be okay, right? I actually just today stopped investing, not today, a couple of weeks ago, I stopped investing in my 401k and my IRA. And I'm somebody that's been doing that for a while, right? And I'm not saying that do that, right? If you're listening, I'm not saying you do that. But I'm saying for me, with my goals of early retirement, I'm going to make better use of that money investing it now. I'd rather put that in a real estate now or a taxable brokerage account where I have the liquidity now than have it locked up when I'm 59, where I don't even know what my outlook is going to be, right? I'm trying to retire when I'm 40. That's my goal right now. So why would I plow it into a 401k IRA? So again, this all goes back to what is your plan? What is your strategy? And have one. Don't just be... Don't just be like, oh, I'm going to retire when I'm 65 and then and then be like, oh, shit, I actually didn't. I don't have enough to retire. Right. And that that's what I implore people the most. And that's like what I try to I'm like, I'll get off my high horse now. But that's what I want. That's that's what I implore the most is like, just have a plan. Right. Have a plan. Right. No, it's a you, you made a ton of great points yeah. on there. And, you know, that and that's it's a it's a mindset shift for people. Yeah. too. I mean, that's that's the that's the biggest thing that I've learned in my kind of the last 20 years, my limiting beliefs of everything. Um, you know, when I first got into real estate, all I wanted to do was replace the $70,000 a year I was making yeah. as, a, as a restaurant manager. Yeah. Right. And I didn't want to have a boss anymore. So I was like, all right, cool. It doesn't, it, and you can reverse engineer $70,000 in real estate. Like that's yeah. not, that's nothing. Yeah. It's like, and I mean, I'm, in my market, it, you got to sell a few houses, but yeah. some markets that's, you know, six houses in yeah. my market, you know, I, you know, you got to sell 20 or 20 or 25 houses. Yeah. But, um, you know, to make a six figure income in this, in this industry is not hard, is not hard. And, um, you know, so for, for me, it's just been this whole mindset thing, this whole, like just shift in everything. Um, and, you know, just doing things different. Same thing. I mean, my, you know, my, uh, my great grandparents came over here in the early 1900s. Yeah. Um, you know, my grandparents, first generation born here. Yeah. You know, my, my same thing with my, you know, my parents, they, they, like I said, they, they grew up in the sixties, they grew up in the seventies yeah. went to high school. They went, they got a job. My parents are just now getting into retirement age. Right. And they're retiring and, you know, they, they beat, they, you know, they beat themselves up for all those years too. Yeah. And that's what I really want to, um, you know, really want to change yeah. is, is just all of that, you know, moving forward. I was having a conversation with my younger cousin, I think he's 16, trying to get him fired up. I'm just like, listen, listen, man, this is my younger cousin. You need to buy a house. You need to rent out all the rooms to your homies, live for free, and then 
I was just trying to get through to him, but he's 16. He's 16. Right. Like, does he, is that, is that sinking in? I don't know. I feel like that's also a demographic in age group that I hope potentially we can reach is that, look, if you're early, early on, then this is the time to be, right. to be really focused on it. Right. Because very minor moves can have massive implications. You know, if I could go back and, I mean, if I could just go back and kick my younger self too, right? I, I try not to dwell on that stuff. But what I can tell is to, to the young people today, like your cousin, yeah. you know, my daughter, right? Is this is the way, like I'm I'm giving you the blueprint for the mistakes that I've made. Yep. And I'm trying to get you ahead of that curve, right? You know how many $10,000 houses I could have bought here? Oh my man. That are worth a hundred, yeah, over $50,000 yeah. today? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Instead, I was... You know, I was, I was sitting on a bar stool, you know, after a shift, you know, lamenting the man, right? Like, yeah, and and wasting fifty bucks here or hundred bucks there, yeah. and it's like, man, had I just not done, you know, had I just put a plan in place, and, and and once again, you can't, I can't go back and change the past, yeah. But what I, what I can do is what we're doing right now, exactly. which is trying to bring these types of real life to 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 people. And like I said, if we, if we change one life doing this, man, I'll, I'll be, I'll be ecstatic with it. I legitimately believe the more people that achieve financial freedom, the better our world will be. Because what happens when you achieve financial freedom? Are you just going to sit on the beach and drink Mai Tais like the rest of your life? No, you're not going to do yeah. that. You are going to get bored doing that. You'll do that for a month or two months. And then you'll be like, okay, what am I actually doing with my life? But yeah. you don't have to stress about money. Every single person has innate abilities that are going to make them awesome at something, right? There could be the world's most skilled cello player in the world that is just an accountant right now. Right. And they don't even know that. Why? Because they have to pay the bills and accounting is a stable job. Right. If more people cared about financial freedom, if more people actually pursued it and took that seriously, and if more people actually achieved it, the more people are going to find what they're actually supposed to be doing in this life, right? And so I I just think that's why it's so important to me. And that's why I'm so fired up about it is that I don't think enough people think about it, the concept of financial freedom. And that's what we need to focus on in this podcast. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you 100% there. You know, if that's, you know, just a little bit of what we can do, I'll, yeah. be, I'll be ecstatic. I think, I think that's episode one. Peace. See ya.